Well, good morning, everybody. How are you today? It's good to see you. I want you to take your Bibles, please, and turn with me to Acts chapter 2. And when you get there, you're going to, we're going to be there. You've read the scripture already. You've, uh, if you've got here at the beginning of service, you actually helped us read this passage. We're going to go through it again. But also, when you find your place, I want you to go and find John chapter 7 as well. So you can put your thumb there, put a little marker there, and we'll go to John chapter 7 in just a few moments. As we're uh, getting started today, um, just so good to be back with you today. We were out of town last week enjoying some family vacation time and uh, really enjoyed ourselves. But man, there's no place like North to be able to worship the Lord. And uh, I want to say a special thank you to my friend, Pastor Brett, who bring a, brought a great word. I was able to join last week online. So thankful. Great word, great challenge to us. And uh, so thankful to all of you over the last three weeks who have gotten involved, taken a step, and joined a team, and, and uh, letting God use your gifts uh, for his glory. So um, uh, this morning, we're going to look at Acts chapter 2. I want to talk to you on this Pentecost Sunday about moving from depleted to overflowing. Moving from depleted to overflowing. Acts chapter 2, verse 1 says, On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place, and suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm. And it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. As I talk about moving from depleted to overflowing, what I really, the honing in on is what do you do when you find yourself in a spiritually dry season in your life? How do you get back to that place of overflowing. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for today. I thank you for this moment. I thank you for your word, and I thank you for the privilege and the ability to be able to share your word. I pray that you open up your word to us this morning. Anoint the words you've given me to say as they go forth. Anoint our ears to hear and our hearts to receive so that you may accomplish your perfect will, and we'll be careful to give you the praise for it. In Jesus' name, amen. When I preach, I generally don't, I don't use a lot of canned jokes, like prepackaged stuff. I'll share stories that might be funny. But I want to share with you one that was my favorite of my dad's. And my dad is a pastor, um, but it always, one of those just always stuck with me. And like, it, it's, of all the things he told, there were two or three that always stuck with me. So the story goes like this. There is a man and a woman, they've been married for a very, very long time. And um, they're riding in their truck. They've had this truck for a very long time. It is an old school truck. Been around for a long time. They've had it all this time. It's the old truck that has the bench seat. You know what I'm talking about? Not bucket seats. It's a bench seat. So you could, you could fit a family of six on that thing. You know what I mean? It's huge bench seat that's over there. It's the old style truck where there is, you know, there's nothing on the floor. It's a column, but it's not, it's not an automatic, you know. It's a column shift. Anybody know what a column shift is? Let me see your hand. Yeah, three on a tree, right? Bring it down, up and down. That's right. That's, so it's, it's the old style, and this couple is riding in it, and he's, he's behind the wheel. She's over on her side, and she begins to reminisce. And she's reminiscing about when they were dating and when they were first married. And she said, do you remember when we used to ride in this truck and we were so close? He said, yeah. She said, do you remember that I would just slide over to you and you'd put your arm around me and we would just drive, you know, days before seatbelts were required, right? <laughs> he said, yeah, I remember that. And she said, what happened to us? And for a moment he looked and he said, well, it seems to me I'm the only one that hadn't moved. 
And I've always loved that story, especially when it applies to your relationship to God. And the reason why is this, is there are times you may feel distant from God, but God hasn't moved. So what do you do when you find yourself distant from God? Every relationship has distance. I mean, at some point in time, there'll be a dry season in every relationship. A marriage will go through a dry season. A friendship will go through a dry season. A parent-child relationship will go through a dry season. It's called teenage years. You know, it, it, where it's not as close as it used to be. And then, of course, it will, there's seasons where it will come back. But what do you do when that relationship is with the maker of heaven and earth? Well, there was a moment in time where you felt so close to him, and then you find yourself not feeling very close at this time. How do you get back? Before we talk about that, I want to give you five indicators very, very quickly. It's, it, these are not original to me. It's, they're original with a man named Dan Ryland, um, and he shared them years ago, and I saw them again a couple of weeks ago. But five indicators that you're coming into a spiritually dry season, and that these are warning signals to you that you need to take some corrective action. If you were in the truck, that you need to start scooching over a little bit and getting back to the closeness. The first one is this. It's just very simply that you, these stages of a spiritual dry season, that you're dry spiritually. You, it, this is just where you have a short season where you just don't seem to hear from God. You, so you hear messages, you hear songs, you read, and you don't feel like you're hearing from God. This will happen from time to time in your life. The second stage is this, is when you drift from God. This is when you don't feel the closeness to God that you once did. The third stage is when discouragement sets in in your life. This is when dryness and drift result in discouragement and you wonder what's wrong. The fourth stage is distance from God. Now, this is the danger zone. This is when you're living and you're leading away from God. So to give you an idea, of if, to, to using the same car analogy, though, in, in a car, there are gauges in a car. They kind of tell you if it's running properly. And so the first three is you can see the gauges maybe, maybe they don't look exactly right, but you're not in danger. This fourth stage is when the warning light starts going off. You know what I'm talking about? I mean, it's like the tire pressure gauge light. If you don't do something about it, it's going to cost you minimum about $200 to $300, or you keep it up, it's going to cost you about 1000 bucks to get the whole set done, Right? The check engine light, you eventually don't do something about that. That's going to cost you thousands of dollars. This is a warning sign because the fifth stage is the most dangerous stage. This is the stage of disobedience. This is when you begin to say no to God. This is when the Holy Spirit is dealing with you convicting you of something, warning you about an action that you are going to take that's going to be detrimental to your spiritual health. And you say no to God. Or the Holy Spirit is beckoning you, calling you, wanting you to do something different, asking you to come close because there's something specific that he wants to do in your life and you don't want to do that and you say no to God. This is disobedience. And in this place is where the separation is. What do you do though? When you get to this place where you feel that you're getting spiritually dry, do you know that Jesus actually talked about this? It's in the strangest place. It's in John chapter 7. So if you've got your Bibles, you can go ahead and prepare to turn there. Pastor Brett at the beginning talked about the, the Feast of Weeks, which is Pentecost. 
It's when the Holy Spirit was poured out. Jesus prophesied and told us about the Holy Spirit being poured out in another feast that he attended in John chapter 7. This is called the feast or festival of booths or tabernacles. This is the feast where they used to celebrate, where remembering God brought them out of Egypt. And then they wandered around the desert for 40 years before they finally went into the promised land. So the people remembered this by for seven days, they would live in booths or tents. And they would remember that they didn't have a home. They didn't have a land. And God brought them through that safely. The other thing about this, there was a celebration every single day. It's a celebration we would think is so strange. It's called a water celebration. Now you think, who's celebrating water? People who live in a desert, which is the Middle East. It's the most precious commodity that they have. And so every day they would make a trip. The priest would make a trip. The people would follow him every day from the temple to the pool of Siloam, which was a place where an underground spring fed it. And so it was living water. And so they would take it, they would dip the pitcher down into it, they would bring it back, and they would bring it back to the temple, and they would pour it, back, pour it out over the altar. And it was a massive celebration every day. They did this for six days. Then on the seventh day, they did something different. They went seven times back to the Pool of Siloam to bring it back. It is a reminder of them of when they did cross over into the promised land and God finally brought them in, that there was a town to be conquered called Jericho and God had commanded them march around the city one time every day, every day for six days and on the seventh day, march around it seven times. It was hearkening back to that time. And so on this day, they began to go and they would take this and on the seventh trip, there was this massive celebration where they're singing. People are singing along the way. They're singing these songs, these psalms of praise called, uh, one of them is called the Great Halal, which is, but they're singing psalms from Psalm 113 to Psalm 118. They're singing it all the way. They're waving palm branches. This is a huge celebration. And as the priest gets there, he's met by another priest who has wine in a flask and you've got water here and they're mixing, symbolizing water and blood is going to come salvation can we just pause for a moment? This is why it was so important that the Bible told us that when Jesus died, a soldier plunged a spear into Jesus' side and out of it came blood and water for the redemption and the salvation of mankind. They're celebrating this, but see, Jesus has not sacrificed at that moment, and this has been done for hundreds of years so as they pour that out, the people are celebrating, they are remembering the promise of God that he's going to send a Messiah to save them. The next day, on the last and the greatest day, there is no march with the water. There is simply going into the altar. There's no pouring of water out. It is solemn there is singing and there is prayer. And they are remembering that Messiah has not yet come. They're remembering that what they are hoping for has still not happened. They're remembering that the promise of refreshing has not yet been poured out on them. On this day, when it is all solemn and silent, Jesus stands up in the midst of this crowd and yells out, John chapter 7, verses 37 through 39. 
It says, on the last day, the climax of the festival, Jesus stood and shouted to the crowds, anyone who is thirsty may come to me. The water you've been waiting on, the refreshing you've been waiting on, the promise that you've been waiting on, Anyone who is thirsty can come to me. Anyone who believes in me may come and drink. For the scriptures declare, rivers of living water will flow from his heart. And then John, parenthetically, makes sure that you and I understand this. He says, when he said living water, he was speaking of the spirit who would be given to everyone believing in him. But the spirit had not yet been given because Jesus had not yet entered into his glory. So John says this pivotal moment that he's describing is all about Jesus declaring, what you're waiting for in the Messiah is me. And what I'm gonna fill you with is the promise of the Holy Spirit. It is being prophesied right now by Jesus that Pentecost is coming to a people who are in a dry and a thirsty place that they are going to be filled, and not just filled, but that it is going to come into them and flow out of them. Do you understand what that means? So this is not a reservoir. This is not a reservoir that's filled up and it gets depleted. Rivers of living water are coming through. So there is a continual flow of the power and the anointing and the presence and the refreshing of God's presence through the power of the Holy Spirit. This is so important because Jesus is speaking to people who come every single year and they celebrate this refreshing that's being poured out and they wait for it to happen for them. This is a picture of so many Christians today, they keep going back to the same places over and over and over again, trying to re-experience certain things when God is trying to bring continual flow of his presence and refreshing into your life. This is what happens to people when they say, oh, I'm just, you know, I just remember, remember last Sunday, the Lord just did something in the altar. Or you remember that service where people were just lined up for prayer. You remember that? Can we just get back to that? This is the times where you go, oh, do you remember? Can we just get back to, you know, do you remember you read in history about the Great Awakening or the Charismatic Renewal or the Toronto Outpouring or the Brownsville Revival or whatever? And they say, can we just get back to that? And it's like this. You're coming back over and over and over again trying to re-experience the same things. Can we sing the songs from here or sing the songs from here so that I can feel what I felt back then? Or students... Can't wait for camp in a couple of weeks. Boy, but we got to get to camp in order to experience God. Can I just tell you something? God's going to move mightily in camp, but he wants to flow through you when you get home from camp too. This is the promise that Jesus is giving us. You don't have to live a roller coaster life of experience. You don't have to say, oh, I want to get back to this moment. I just want a new fresh moment in this. Jesus said, there's coming a time and a place where I'll pour out my spirit in you and you don't have to live this way. You don't have to look for an experience and you don't look, have to to look for a moment. I'm going to continually flow the presence and the power on Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit in you and through you where you are constantly refreshed. Yes. That's the promise. Now that doesn't mean that there won't be a time in your life where you don't feel as close 
But you don't have to live in danger of moving all the way over to disobedience. The Holy Spirit will tug on your heart and draw you back in because continual refreshing flows in you and through you. So how does that happen? How do you face a spiritually dry season? Well, I need you to know something. The the disciples, the ones who had spent three and a half years with Jesus, the ones who had seen him crucified, the ones that saw him rise from the dead, the ones that experienced him for 40 days after his resurrection, he leaves and he says, I want you to go into the city, as you read earlier, I want you to go into the city until you are endued or clothed with power, as Pastor Brett said in that passage. I want you to go there and wait. There's a 10-day gap between that. Jesus stayed for 40 days. Pentecost is 50 days after Passover. 10 days, 120 people are in an upper room waiting on a promise that they don't know exactly what it looks like. They don't know when it's going to come. They don't know where it's going to come. They don't know how it's going to affect them. They don't know anything about it. They're just going in saying, Jesus said to wait here. Now, that is a quick passage when it says, on the day of Pentecost, the disciples were all in one room. When you've got all these believers, they didn't know it was 10 days. They didn't know how long they were going to have to stay. Can I just tell you something? Can you imagine what's going through their mind? We've been with Jesus for three and a half years. We've seen him rise from the dead. Now he's gone. When are we going to see him again? Is it ever going to be the same? Are we ever going to have that closeness again? How is it going to be different whenever God sends his promise? What does that look like? Is that a person? Is that a thing? What does that mean? When Jesus says we're going to be baptized with fire, what does that mean in all of this? We romanticize a passage of scripture and we just gloss over it. Ten days go by with everybody wondering what God is going to do and feeling like I'm never going to be as close to God as I was when Jesus was here. So there are two scriptures, one that happens right before and one that happens right after. As we said in the first passage, they were filled with the Holy Spirit on that day at Pentecost. When the Spirit poured out, it looked like tongues of fire that was settling down on all of them. And they began to speak in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them the ability to do. But before that ever happens, in verse one, uh, in verse four of chapter one, the second part says, Jesus says, do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised, as I told you before. And then immediately after that day of Pentecost, it tells us how they stayed in that place of refreshing. Chapter two, verse 42 says this. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings and to the fellowship and to the sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. So I want to give you quickly five quick things, and I mean quick, because we're going to be there's a time and place that God wants for you to receive from Him today in this place. The first one is this, first two actually, is found in that first passage, and it's obedience in Scripture. Obedience and scripture. What I mean is God's word, our obedience. It says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. That means God's word being distributed to them, being taught to them, God's ways, and then obedience. 
So when you devote yourself to a teaching, it's not just, oh yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna read this. I'm gonna be devoted to read. I'm gonna live it out. So Jesus said, if you love me, you will obey my teachings. So if you wanna stay spiritually refreshed, it comes through obedience and through God's word and listening to the voice of God through his word and through his spirit. And let me just tell you something. There are a lot of people who are trying, that, that wanna hear from God. Can I, I want you to hear me. God speaks in so many ways, but the primary way he will speak is through his word. And then there are gifts of the spirit that he used, word of knowledge, word of wisdom, all those things. But every one of those has to line up with the word because God will never, ever, ever contradict himself. So this is the grounding. This is how you stay grounded, the scripture and obedience. The, the third one is this, is the church, the community of believers. Notice what it says. It says they devoted themselves to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper. What that means is they gathered together and they worshiped and they remembered what Jesus had done and remembered that Jesus is King of kings and Lord of lords. It's what we do when we come together and we celebrate like this morning, the Lord's Supper, the body and the blood of Jesus Christ. This is why it's important. Listen to me. This is why it's so important in a day and age where it feels like the community of believers or church is just an option or to do to check off your list for the week. This is, this is where spiritual things happen. This is where God's presence will manifest itself because he says, if two or three gather together in my name, I will be with them and he inhabits the praises of his people. It is important that this is a part of what you do and who you are so God can grow your faith in a community of believers. The fourth is simply prayer. It's amazing to me when I talk to people over the years, and, and, and when I say this, I'm, it's been 25 years I've been doing this. It's amazing the amount of times when people say, I don't feel close to God, and I ask two questions. How much are you reading the Bible? How much are you praying? No one has ever said to me, I don't feel close to him anymore and I'm reading the Bible every day and I'm praying every day. It's this, he's in the steering wheel. Just letting the distractions of this world scooch us over till all of a sudden we look over and say, why aren't we as close as we used to be? You have to intentionally spend time with God. There's no way to feel close to God if you're constantly pulling away from him. The final thing is faith. Chapter one, verse four says, Jesus said, don't leave Jerusalem till the father sends you the gift he promised, as I told you. That means when they went there and they go to the upper room, they went and said, we're staying here to what God says happens. Not leaving here until I receive the promise that the Lord has given. The most spiritually dry season of my life was prior to the most significant change in my life. It's when God eventually called me into ministry. I'm not telling you God's calling you into ministry, so I want you to hear me. 
And he didn't immediately call me into ministry. I can just tell you, the most spiritually dry I have ever been happened before the greatest refreshing I ever received. And the problem is, I tried to blame everything else. I was walking with God. But I just didn't feel close to God. So I I blamed it on a lot of things. I blamed it on the city that Laura and I were living in at the time. If you're from Tallahassee, Florida, I'm sorry. It wasn't Tallahassee's fault, it was ours. I was blaming it. I was going, "Ah, it's a miserable city. It's got, you know, it's got the climate of the beach, but no beach, and there's no wind. It's just miserable, hot, humid. Everybody's mad. So that was, I was like, oh, it's, it's the city's fault. Then I said, you know what? I think it's our church's fault. We were in business and working in business at the time. And so we said, it's just not happening here at this church. That's what the problem is. And so I went and saw my pastor and I said, I think it's time for us to go. He said, are you sure? I said, yeah, we're sure. So we spent about eight, nine weeks traveling, going around to find other churches. The funny thing happened along the way. I was just as miserable there as I was at my other church. (laughs) And then one Sunday, we decided to go back to that church we thought was the problem. And that was the day that I felt the tug of God saying, if you'll draw near to me, I'll draw near to you. It was the day where I went forward and I received the gift of the Holy Spirit being poured out into my life. And I've never been the same. Can I just be real with you? Some of you were raised in a faith or a tradition where you were taught that all those gifts ceased. And they were just for the New Testament. I want you to listen to me. If you'll ask God to give you the real thing, if you'll be honest with God and say, God, I was taught all these years that you know, this, this Holy Spirit, this was something back for them. This is not for me right now. If you'll say, God, I was taught that, but if I was wrong, I'm laying that down to you now. If you, this is real, fill me, Lord. God will hear your prayer. If you were raised in a faith tradition where the Holy Spirit was believed and operational, but you saw some just weird stuff. And you kind of stood off and said, I, I don't want any part of that. Can I just challenge you? If you will say, God, I don't want anything fake, but I want the authentic infilling of the Holy Spirit, and all I want is the real thing. God will honor your prayer. Stop using your past as an obstacle to what God wants to do in your present and your future. Because Pentecost is when God seeks. He's done it before. He can do it now. And as Pastor Brett said, when the filling of the Holy Spirit happened, then you saw first fruits start to happen. And that's what happens. When rivers of living water flow in you, 
and they flow through you, not only are you refreshed, but everyone around you is refreshed. And it opens up opportunity for you to share Christ with other people. And because of that, other people come to know Jesus Christ. And that is the first fruits we bring to the Lord today. He gives you his gift so that you can pass gifts back to him through the power of the Holy Spirit. And you're refreshed every single day. Would you bow your heads? Close your eyes. Listen, if you're in this room right now, the first step is you have to have a relationship with Jesus there. You have to have yielded your life to his lordship. And if you say, I know when I came in here today, things weren't right between me and the Lord, but I wanna make that decision to follow him, just simply pray something like this. Lord Jesus, I thank you for your sacrifice and I thank you for what you did on the cross for me. I thank you that as we talked about earlier, that your broken body and your spilled blood was enough to pay the price for my sins. So I ask you to forgive me and I yield my life to you right now and I give you my life from this day forward. Lead me by your word and by your spirit for your glory and I will never be the same. Now would everyone just pray this prayer profession with me out loud. Say, Jesus, I give you my life. Come on, one more time. Jesus, I give you my life. Now, with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, I'm not here to embarrass you. I want to pray for you this week. If that's you, you know when you came in here this morning, things aren't right between you and the Lord. Would you just, but today you've made a decision to follow him for the first time or the first time in a long time. Let me just raise your hand really high just for a moment so I can pray for you this week. Amen. Just keep them up just a moment. Thank you. Amen. Yep. Amen. Amen. That's the first step. Amen. All right, you can put them down. Father, I thank you for lives that have been changed and redeemed, hope that has been restored, and joy that is now replacing sorrow. I pray, praise you because shame is gone. And I thank you, O oh Lord, that, that these folks that made a decision to follow you have a new purpose and new calling and new destiny in Jesus Christ. Now, Lord, in these next few moments, I pray that you would answer our prayers Lord, we're going to have some prayer team down front, and there are going to be some folks that are going to need, they need, they have needs, physical needs, emotional needs, maybe financial needs, maybe relational needs. They need someone to pray with them. There are going to be others of us that are in the room, Lord, that maybe for the first time we're going to trust you and say, Lord, I don't know. I just need the real. My background has told me different, but I need the real power and presence of the Holy Spirit in filling my life. And maybe they just want someone to pray with them and they can come down and be prayed for. Maybe they're just in their seats, worshiping you, hands raised, yielding their lives and surrendering right there. God, maybe there's some that have had that experience before, but they have drifted away from you. Lord, I pray that you beckon them close, oh God. And today on Pentecost Sunday, there would be a new refreshing that comes. And it's not something, it's just a cycle that we have to come back over and over again. But Lord, rivers of living water will begin to flow through us and in us, constantly refreshing because of your grace and your power and your gift of the Holy Spirit. Now, Lord, by faith, we go ahead and thank you in advance for the needs that are gonna be answered, for the people who are gonna be filled in the name of Jesus, amen and amen. I want you to stand with me, please. Our prayer team's gonna be down front. If you have a need, we'd love to pray with you, whatever that need is. But I'm telling you, worship right where you are. And whether you come down front or whether you worship right where you are, let there be a spirit of expectation in your heart right now that God's gonna fill you fresh 
and anew for the first time or the first time in a long time. Let's believe together and let's receive together in Jesus' name. Holy 
and we sing we thank you that we are experiencing what we're asking for your presence and your goodness and your grace 
Thank you for answered prayers. Thank you for physical needs, emotional needs that have been met. Thank you for financial provision that you've given. Thank you for direction that has been given to people's lives. Thank you, O oh Lord, for those who have never been filled with the Spirit that are reaching to you right now and the infilling that they receive. Thank you for those who needed a fresh touch from the Lord. Lord, they've drifted from you in that. But, Lord, you've drawn them close, and they're drawing close to you right now. Fill them, I pray, in the name of Jesus. Lord, I thank you that all of these things are happening for your glory. And I pray, God, that as we leave this place this morning, that that this day would be a day that we mark time with and we say, this is the day that I stopped living this roller coaster life. Stop trying to move from event to event, but lived in the power and the presence and the refreshing of the Holy Spirit day in, day out because of God's power moving in us. And Lord, we'll thank you and praise you for all these things. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Come on, give the Lord praise in this place. Amen. Amen. You know, the Bible tells us that we are overcomers, and I know you face a lot, uh, lot in your life, just as I do, but you're an overcomer, right? Yes. You don't have to be subject to everything. You don't have to be defeated. You are an overcomer. And the Bible tells us in Revelations that they overcame by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. God has gifted you with a testimony that he wants to use for his glory. And before we leave here today, we're going to sing a song uh, that's just called My Testimony. And I want you to leave this place with joy unspeakable and full of glory today. Amen? Come on, give the Lord praise in this place. Yeah, come on, let's give him praise today. We just thank you, Jesus. Let's put our hands together. Come on, we're celebrating what the Lord has done in our life. So Satan fall like lightning. I saw darkness run for cover. But the miracle that I just can't get over. My name is registered in heaven. Who believes that miracle today? I believe in signs and wonders. I have a resurrection power. Yes, I do. Jesus. 
When they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Amen? Amen. Let me bless you before you go today. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. And the Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace in Jesus' name. Let's give our response from Psalm 19. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. God bless you, folks. Love you. Have a great week.